0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sometimes the lockdown can appear to be the longest day, or somewhat more flippantly, Groundhog Day. And although it's all of our biggest challenges of a lifetime, and frankly the scale of loss remains unbelievable, I'm not sure we should keep comparing it to World War II. At least bombs aren't falling out of the sky, or our children aren't being sent to the country. But like after 1945, we'd be foolish to think life won't change after Covid-19. But like after 1945, could it actually get better when our brilliant NHS was actually formed? Could we finally see the right investment, management and pay rises for nurses and staff of this one in a million service which benefits us all? But this is Anything But Footy, the Olympic and Paralympic podcast, and this is a lockdown special – But what will happen with sport? How much are you missing it in lockdown? Are we also being totally naive to think it'll return just as it did before coronavirus? I'm John.
1: And I'm Michael. And in this episode, as well as rounding up some of the sporting or, shall we say, non-sporting headlines you may have missed, as we always do, of course, on Anything But Footy, we also wanted to look into the crystal ball, look ahead to what happens after lockdown. Will the 2019-2020 seasons ever finish? Do they really matter? Will the 2020 season ever start? Can sport be played behind closed doors? And should we even be contemplating that as a solution? And, say it quietly, but as Japan has finally put in lockdown measures of its own and declared a state of emergency, could the 2020 Tokyo Olympics and Paralympic Games even happen on the rescheduled dates for 2021?
0: Let us know what you think at anything but F on Twitter, or you can message us on Insta and Facebook. Our website is www.anythingbutfooty.com. You can email anythingbutfooty at gmail.com. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, please do and tell Apple Podcasts what you think about it. Now, the big question mark, and Michael did say it rather quietly there, was will the Olympics and Paralympics postponed for this year in 2020 actually happen in 2021? That is a really big question, I think. And it's a question that is probably going to be too big for us to answer in this podcast. But what will it actually mean? for the british olympic association the british paralympic association and uk sport who we know and you probably know if we if you've listened to our podcast previously backs the elite performance and funds the national governing bodies to make sure that we have athletes performing at these games and many more it's a really big question of how you get from one olympics which was due to take place in 2020 to one that's due to now take place in 2021. So let's assume, Michael, it will go ahead in 2021. And we'll talk more about that as the podcast goes on. There's so much work, even though it's a year later, to get the Olympics and Paralympics on.
1: Yeah, I think it's a huge assumption just to presume that it it will go ahead in 2021. I would suggest at the moment, as this situation unfolds and the global pandemic continues to creep across the globe and take more lives, I think it is a, a huge assumption to suggest that it will go ahead as planned in 2021. But on your premise, on your question, let's imagine it is going ahead. Yeah, what a huge job for UK sport, for the British Olympic Association and for Paralympics GB as well and it's been really interesting this week you will have seen certainly some press reports and hopefully you will have checked out as well the UK sport podcast called Medals and More which is hosted by Dame Catherine Granger, one of our most decorated Olympians five medals in total, a gold in London in 2012 of course and Catherine brought together a really good panel on that podcast, she had Andy Anson who's the Chief Executive of the BOA the British Olympic Association she had Mike Sharrock who is the Chief Executive of Paralympics GB and she had sally mundy who is the chief executive of uk sport and i think what they were saying whilst there was a lot of optimism and a lot of enthusiasm for the rescheduled games what they were saying i think was quite worrying most of all i think worrying for the british paralympic association who i think as mike Sharrock said in that podcast is facing uh, huge cash flow issues i think the key the key bit from that for me was he said we get most of our income over that four-year cycle in the months running up to a games and that's how we budget They're not going to get that for another 12 months so that's implications for the bpa the british paralympic association which of course is a charity as well and not a very big charity for the boa and what andy anson was saying he was describing the fact they had to unpick thousands and thousands of contracts and the the figures he was stating and he actually put his neck on the line and said the worst case scenario for the boa was a loss of around about seven or eight million pounds now a lot of people listening might think the boa is something that's funded by government money not It's a commercial organisation. So all those commercial deals they've been announcing ahead of a Games in 2020, of course, they've all had to be put on hold or they've had to be stretched forward, if you like, to 2021. Now, it appears the BOA have had some success with their commercial partners. And then the next question, of course, for UK Sport and what Sally Monday was saying on the Medals and More podcast is their funding is only up to March 2021. Now, as we know, they get their funding from government through the National Lottery, for example. Now. Now, March 2021 is four or five months out of the Games. She did seem fairly confident that the government would continue to fund UK sport through to the next Olympics and Paralympics if they happen in 2021. But she did raise a very, very vital and valid point where on the agenda is sport right now when you've got an NHS, which clearly needs additional funding.
0: And I think it's interesting what you said about the BPA and Mike Sharrock. His quote, I think, was the corporate partners that we have. And as you rightly said, he said, you know, we make all of our money up to the games. Our corporate partners themselves are having huge issues. So we're not front... And mind was his quote. And I think that is the big question, is whether you can delay everything. As you said, they were really optimistic in it. And I think I agree with them that if the 2021 Games takes place, it will be an emotional and exceptional Games and a, hey, look, we've got through this and aren't we going to celebrate it? But we don't know whether we are going to be at that point Uh, in a year's time and everything you read and see and and think about and you know all of us are locked down at the moment and continue to be so for another two weeks at least that you wonder whether sport as you rightly say Michael can get to a point where it some somewhat gets back to normal the reason why we we mentioned the medals and more podcast is that michael and and i helped produce that and and help get it out and we would recommend that you go and have a listen to it if you haven't heard it yet it's on apple it's on google it's on spotify you can find the links on our social media but i wonder and it wasn't something for them to debate at that point but but we can michael i wonder whether this this year where they obviously have their work cut out really over the next 12 months to get to where they need to be. But with a break in sport and what there hasn't been any football or sport now since what, March the 13th, March the 12th, March the 13th, something like that. Um, by the time sport may come back in 2020, uh, it could be two or three months where we really haven't had any sport in this country. Is it time to sit and evaluate whether sport in this country is being run in the right way. And we, we actually take the opportunity in this downtime to look at it. And the reason why I bring this up, there was a brilliant article in the Sunday Times last week. I only just got managed to read it this the last few days um, because of uh, homeschooling and various other things that are going on uh, in the Cushing household. But uh, Jonathan Northcroft, who is the football, uh, chief football correspondent, I think, for the Sunday Times, and he wrote a really interesting article, and it wasn't about footy, which is why we can talk about it on anything but footy. Um, it was all about how... In 2004 and 5, I think, the NHL had a whole season, so that's the National Hockey League uh, in America, had a whole season where they didn't play because of strikes and various reasons. And what they spent their time doing is refocusing their business model. And they actually came out stronger, and the sport is in a much stronger place. The NBA, so the National Basketball League in America... Um, during this coronavirus have, have already said they have re-looked at their business and they will not start their seasons from now until December because they also have realised that they didn't want the NBA clashing with when the NFL is taking place, the American football season. So isn't this something that our sports should be looking at?
1: I think in this country we should be looking at the way that sport is set up. And I think we've got a myriad of bodies running sport in this country. Aside from, say, the Premier League, the Football Association and the Football League, and then all the individual FAs that are running football, aside from from that, which is a question for a football podcast, if you look at what our area of expertise is, which is Olympic and Paralympic sport, we've debated this and discussed this time and time again. The general public don't get the difference between supporting Team GB and Para-GB. Even so-called experts, sports reporters, broadcasters and journalists make that mistake on their bulletins and in their articles time after time after time. I pick up a lot of people on social media about it. So if the general public and the people reporting on the various events don't really get the difference between Team GB and Para-GB, then... You know, how how is the, the casual fan that comes to these sports, these games every two, every four years, going to get that difference? And then you've got UK Sport, which is another body, which, of course, is allocating the money. And then the tier, if you like, between UK Sport, the BOA, the BPA... I'm probably already losing people here with the acronyms. (laughs) You've got the NGBs, the National Governing Bodies, and they're reporting to the IFs, the International Federations. Do keep with me, please. The National Governing Bodies are the people like British Athletics, British Cycling british gymnastics they are the organizations some of them are just responsible for elite athletes some of them have a responsibility to grassroots and mass participation as well so for example british gymnastics will look after people going for gold medals at the olympics they will look after your son my daughters in their a- gymnastics clubs that they do locally yeah british cycling is the same but then you've got organizations like gb boxing that purely and simply are there just to administrate the boxers going to an olympic games for example so then if you've got that sort of situation you've got organizations like boxing england boxing scotland all feeding into that as well so what you're getting is a picture here of a huge huge cluster of organizations all kind of with similar roles and responsibilities there is the mass participation the grassroots the general health and well-being of the country which i think has been brought sharply into focus during this lockdown time and then you've got the other side of it which is obviously the medal moments which is you know what the boa the bpa and uk sport are mainly interested is creating those medal moments but could there be an argument with this time off that we've got and the technology that we can now use to look at maybe slimming that down getting rid of some of the layers of bureaucracy maybe looking at where some of the roles are doubled up and maybe looking at maybe a more slimline uh, view of uk sport and i don't mean uk sport the body i mean sport in in the united kingdom and then perhaps you could free up some funds. For more mass participation, more grassroots events and more funds being channelled into some of our elite athletes where, of course, the pot is shrinking because less people are playing the national lottery. Because we're not we're not picking out certain individuals
0: or, or governing bodies. But why in table tennis, for example, do you have a para table tennis organisation and then a table tennis England? Why, why are there separate organisations for that and we could list many other examples of that if you listen to our great British Bosses podcasts um, which are still available you, you know you'll get an understanding of just how as Michael so brilliantly explained how complicated this sporting system is but as Michael said there's the, for the general public there's no difference between the British Paralympic Association and the British Olympic Association in America it's now the same thing The USA have said it's just Team USA and the Paralympic and and Olympic Association is is now combined. And I think um, Tim Hollingsworth, who used to run Paragb during London 2012, told our Great British Bosses podcast, Michael, that he he wouldn't agree with that because he would feel that the Paralympics would suffer to the detriment of the Olympics. But as Mike Sharrock has said in that Medals and More podcast, the money is not coming in so they're struggling already and if you're looking to the future of how and if sport ever returns to the same level that it was before the coronavirus then you need to be looking surely as a business and i'm sure all businesses up and down the country are doing this as i'm sure your business is michael as well as about how the costs how can you keep the costs um, controllable moving forward
1: There's a lot of very, very good people um, in in British sport and I don't just mean the athletes and the coaches and the support staff, I mean the administrators as well. But as we've highlighted there, it's a very complicated system. There's a lot of very good organisations doing a lot of very good work and I think, as I said there... In this period of lockdown, I think the the benefits of, of health and fitness have been brought sharply into focus, not just physical health, mental health as well. I think we've seen how important it is, and that's why I don't think we need to apologise for discussing and thinking And talking about making plans for what happens next for sport, it might seem sport quite a trivial matter at the moment where you see what is happening on our hospital wards and in our community hospitals, for example. It might be quite trivial to talk about when the Premier League is going to be coming back or should... British Athletics cancel the anniversary games for example when you know World Athletics have cancelled so many Diamond League meetings and the European championships have been cancelled but I think the benefits of sport I think we we can see so I don't in any shape or form think that we should be be you know, cutting what we put into sport. If anything, I think, as I said, it's been brought so sharply into focus with the likes of of Joe Wicks and, and Captain Tom Moore walking around his garden. Just, you know, initiatives like that, which have really, really lifted the country over the past few weeks. So I think the importance of sport is there. It's the bureaucracy and the management of sport, which I think could be looked at.
0: This is Anything But Footy, the Olympic and Paralympic podcast, and a lockdown special looking at what sport could be And whether we should be looking at sport not returning uh, in any way, shape or form in normality for a number of years. That's the big question, Michael. If there is no sport until the end of 2020, which we understand that could could happen, that there might not. You know, I know the government have now come out and said they're going to talk to the football and cricket authorities about how they can stage some football and cricket over the coming months and are trying to speed that process up but in real honesty when you've got Holland cancelling major events and I think Ireland have done it as well until at least September the 1st and Holland have ended their football season and just cancelled it no champions no relegation nothing if there is no sport until the end of 2020 and you haven't looked at your business and I include the Premier League in this as well, even though we're we're not talking football particularly, but if you haven't looked at how your business has been operating and how it will operate moving forward, there is something fundamentally wrong there as a business.
1: Yeah, which is why I think... What I said earlier about the fact we have good people and good administrators running sport in this country and at the top end of sport in this country. It's why I'm, I'm confident that the, the doomsday scenarios, if you like, of some of our smaller sports Um, I use that word carefully because I'm sure some of the sports listening right now wouldn't like to refer to themselves as the smaller sports. I'm sure the Premier League will come through this um, pretty much unscathed and, um, and I also think we will soon get back to Premier League football rather quickly rather quicker than we sort of imagine we would where we thought there might be a massive sea change in the culture i think we'll probably forget that and the the whole be kind thing will probably go out the window once we get back into into stadiums and all all the rest of it i think we'll return quite quickly to that but yes some of those those so-called smaller sports sports that don't have those embarrassment of riches as well i i do think there are some good people at the top of those sports and one of those good people actually sent us a a message this morning and I, i think you Know, it's worth highlighting and that's Adrian Christie who was actually our first guest on on great British bosses and he runs badminton England uh, a sport that obviously had to restructure once they lost UK sport funding despite winning a bronze medal in the men's doubles in Rio at the Olympic Games so you know Adrian Christie took that organization through what was a very difficult time and he makes a very valid point I think um, on social media uh, and as I said he sent me a message sent us a message this morning about this we Uh, Getting very, very wound up about when Ben Stokes, when Harry Kane and others can get back to to playing football, playing cricket. Um, But what about our badminton players? And and he highlighted one, which is Lauren Smith. And actually, is there not an argument to state that, that badminton would be an ideal sport to start reintroducing back into the calendar what with it being a non-contact sport a sport where social distancing is fairly obvious because you have a net between people (laughs) whereas actually we're talking and trying to rush contact sports back uh where potentially as well we might be bringing people back into stadiums too i actually think there there is a very good argument to say some of these some of these uh, sports that don't get the profile of football and cricket might actually be the ones to bring back beforehand
0: I think that's a, a really, a really clear point. And I, what I don't understand about the footballing capacity is they can look at what Germany are doing, where they've said look the Bundesliga, which is only two leagues, by the way, um, the two Bundesliga could be ready to go by mid-May. They need approval from the German government on that. And so that's meant, if you read the front of the sun this morning, uh, that football will be coming home here very soon as well. But in Germany, they're testing hundreds of thousands of normal people for coronavirus every couple of days. The footballers are getting tested every couple of days. I mean, we can't even organise getting some NHS and care workers having tests at the moment. We seem like a million miles away from that. I'd like us to be nearer that. I'd like us to be able to say in a month's time at Wembley or St, James or St. George's Park or... Um, old trafford or whatever those secure locations where football will take place and you'll have five or six matches behind closed doors with 400 people from the media and and backroom staff and coaches and hopefully not many uh, health workers there as well will will put these matches on but we don't feel like we're anywhere near that and i think you're i think that's a good question is to why try and speed football and cricket through I think there was a there was a, a suggestion with football, Michael, that, and I know we're not talking about footy, but it does it does frustrate me sometimes that it is the be all and end all. That a it's the Premier League. That's all anyone ever thinks about. Well, there's actually 72 other football league clubs uh, taking place or, or, or you know, trying to survive in this country as well. Not even mentioning the women's Super League as well. No one's even thinking about those matches. We'd be talking about 50 matches a week that need to be done behind secure locations and it just doesn't seem feasible to me that you can carry that on and what also doesn't fe- seem feasible to me is that you need a certain number of days to be clear of the coronavirus or, or 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 the players will come into contact with each other and they said there would be social distancing during the warm-up but they're not during the match. Uh, The the whole thing, just I don't think it it feels like we're trying to rush something, which I think you said it, isn't necessarily the priority at the moment.
1: Yeah, totally and utterly agree. I think we we are trying to rush football and i see why why people are talking about the fact that you know let's let's get some sort of sense of normality it will be a a boost to the country if we can start playing football but we should only be doing that if it's proper and safe and and risk assessed to do so we seem to have this this rush that we need to complete this season now actually i'm in favor of of completing the season and picking the season up at some point but i don't think we need to to be doing that very very quickly if we don't Get back to normality, and we can't begin this season until November or December, then so be it. We play a couple of months of football in November and December. We write off maybe the rest of the next season. So we prepare for the European Championships, which obviously have been rescheduled for 2021 with a series of maybe high-profile friendlies, or you bring the British Championships back, or you play a regionalized Premier League, for example, to keep football ticking over. But you don't have to bring it all back exactly as it was straight away. Mm. And there is this this desire to try and just get things going as quick as we can, exactly as it was. And we're not in a position where we need to be doing that right now. And going back to the the original point that i was trying to make is actually we would be better off bringing some of our resources into bringing some of those badminton leagues back on um where we can perhaps you know manage the situation risk assess that slightly easier maybe trying to get limited people back into to swimming pools as well and let's highlight another podcast that we were involved in in making which was one for swim england where you know you know i was really impressed with the way that they they had a plan and they have been planning for how to start bringing you know mass participation swimming back to the country and you know they're also obviously trying to tick things along during lockdown but let's start maybe trying to get some people back into some swimming pools back onto badminton courts back doing archery for example you know before we try and rush as you say there hundreds of people back into a football stadium for some kind of televisual spectacular which is what I'm sure it would probably end up being because I don't think we we need to be doing that yet you've said yourself and you know you're a Norwich fan you're not actually missing football <laughs>
0: No, I'm not. I, I'm not. Um, to, to be fair, it may well be that Norwich have had such an awful season that I, I haven't really paid that much attention to it because it has been pretty painful um, in football terms, not in, in life terms, um, which and I think you have to. This is the thing with sport. We use these uh, these kind of, oh, it, it will be unbelievable if Liverpool don't win the title. Well, no, actually, what's more unbelievable is how many people are dying in this country every day. And I think we have to be careful, and I'm guilty of it myself, of, of superlatives about sport and, and adjectives that are, are, are wrong and are actually over-dramatise the situation where ultimately, it, it, you know, the famous quote, it's more important than life or death. It really isn't. Um, just on lockdown, Michael, sport behind closed doors something that you could think would take place what we've got the tour de france moved to august the masters golf there as well the french open in september the london marathon hopefully in october it should be this weekend of course but uh, as in in the first time in 40 years that's been moved 6 months on could you see sport working as a spectacle with no crowd
1: I think it would be very difficult. I think it would be a compromise and I think it is, it is perhaps part of the solution. I mean, I've, I've worked at football matches at various levels where there's, there's not been much of a crowd, where you're talking about, say, reserve team football. Um, and it is a very, very different atmosphere. So as a broadcaster trying to commentate on a, a reserve team match where maybe you've got 100, 200 people crammed into one small part of Ellen Road compared to where you've got maybe 40,000 on four sides and you've got a real high-intensity championship football game. It it could happen, as I said. I think it could be part of the solution. There's a lot of those events that you just mentioned there. I I can't see how you would do the Tour de France behind closed doors. No, Um, No, in some ways I'd like to see it.
0: but uh, but but i don't know how as you say
1: um i'm not sure how how you you would manage the the tour de france behind closed doors i think you know stadium sports like like rugby like cricket like football could potentially do it but again i I, you know and i I just i feel like i'm repeating myself time after time and, and probably we should look at moving the conversation on but but we don't have to do it you know if, if, if it's if it's not right and and you know we are putting people at risk even if it's as you say they're just a few hundred members of the media and and the broadcasters that, that would go and I'm, I'm sure that the way that the media reports sport and the way that broadcasters broadcast sport might change i don't think we're going to see all of those members all that personnel needed on site all the time uh, that's a little bit of an aside but you know i just don't see why why we we have to get it back so quickly you know let's let's get it back when we can get it back and, and when the time is right to get it back
0: if you want to have your opinion and it disagrees with us in particular get in touch at anything but f on twitter or via our website anything but footy.com or email anything but footy at com. i'll get the hint i will move on in a moment we'll round up some of the other olympic stuff but just on missing sport has actually the fact that there has been a bit of a break in football, tennis, cricket, rugby. Actually, isn't this beneficial from a sporting perspective that actually people are potentially going to miss it more? It is more in demand. Is is more in demand from sponsors moving forward. So family time has become really important for everybody in in, in, in the UK and around the world who are in lockdown. But actually when sport comes back it will show a different kind of 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 kind of passion that that we all have for sport but actually it will benefit from it because maybe moving forward you should have more of a break from football of the year because it does then allow you to whet your appetite for it to come back and you'd be more excited about it coming back
1: yeah, um, I think, and going back to that point, we said about the Olympics and, and what the the guys said on the medals and more podcasts with UK Sport. If the Olympic Games goes ahead in, in 2021, it will have been five years since the previous summer games. And I think there will be a level of expectation and an excitement for that Games, the like of which we've never seen before. Why do we like the Olympic Games so much? Because it's only every four years. Mm. I think that is a, a key thing. You know, world championships happen in most sports every year, in athletics every other year. The football season just seems to roll one into the other at the moment. I can remember growing up when the season ended, there was, it felt, a significant period of time before the next season started. Have I been missing sport? I've been watching a lot of old sport, archive sport. So, you know... Don't the BBC- they wear really...
0: Don't they wear really short shorts?
1: <laughs> Depends what era you're, you're, you're looking at, to be honest. Um, I mean, I've been watching a lot of the, the World Cup classics on the BBC and and some of the FA Cup Rewind programmes as well. I've been catching up with a few things online. I watched the 100 Years of Leeds United DVD. Uh, with you, my, you really
0: had a quiet day that day, didn't
1: you? <laughs> with my co- quite bored youngest daughter. Um, <laughs> she wasn't overly interested in it. So am I missing sport? I think there are there are occasions in the sporting calendar that I look forward to like the Open Golf like the Masters Golf um, like Wimbledon but having said I look forward to them I haven't overly missed them I didn't I didn't sit there on Masters weekend and stare into a, a blank abyss and wish that the azaleas of augusta were, were in front of me when it does happen yes i'll sit down and watch it and i will enjoy it um but i wouldn't say I, i've necessarily been been hankering for it but i know there, there are other people and you know we've spoken to friends and, and colleagues of ours in the sporting world that are, are feeling it more that they, they do wake up on a on a saturday morning and there is there is a hole in the, in their life a sport-shaped hole in their life some people are Personally, despite being a massive sports fan, uh, as, as I said, I've been enjoying catching up on, on some old on some old and some archived sport. And, yeah, I think I'll enjoy it more when it comes back.
0: Well, let's give them some sporting headlines then around the Olympics. Uh, the sailing team for Great Britain has been confirmed that it will be going to the Games in 2021, assuming they take place. And it's the same team that they've already announced, the 15 Sailors will represent Team GB. They're not going to change it or relook at it, and it's the same with the canoeists as well.
1: Yeah, the slalom canoe team stays the same. As far as the, the sailors are concerned, then the, the likes of Hannah Mills, Giles Scott, will get that opportunity to try and, uh, you know, retain their Olympic titles. What we are seeing, though, is we are seeing a couple of names that... Probably would have gone to the games this time around. That have just said one year on is probably one year too many. Tom Ransley, the rower, uh, bronze medalist in 2012 and a gold medalist in 2016, he said that he just hasn't got the appetite for another 12 months uh, of of going on and and getting you know on the Thames every day or into Eaton Dorney Lake whatever it is every day. So he's decided to to pack it in. I think we'll see some others um doing that as well. Um, interestingly, you know, Tom Daly, I think was, was targeting this Olympics and then perhaps another one as well. He's another athlete we've spoken to for for one of our podcasts for the London Legacy Development Corporation, talking about his love affair with the London Aquatic Centre. Whether whether Tom Daley really honestly feels that he could go on to another games, a fifth games in Paris in twenty twenty four, we'll have to wait and see. But there'll be a lot of resetting uh, for British athletes now over the next twelve months.
0: Yeah, you you spoke to Tom Daley for the it's called the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park Pod as I say, it's on Apple, it's on Google, it's on Spotify, it's on our social media links if you want to find it. Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park Pod. You spoke to Tom just before lockdown, didn't you?
1: Yeah, literally. Um, a, a couple of days before before we all uh, were told to go and, and stay in our houses. And he was very open and, and very candid. It was a really interesting chat. We were just talking about his his kind of relationship, really, with the London Olympic Park, the London Aquatic Centre, which is where he would normally be going to work every day. They, they do their couple of sessions there in the pool, the Olympic pool that uh, he won his bronze medal in in 2012. And, you know, we had that, that chat and I, I said to him, you know, he's won two bronze medals at the Olympics, and, but how much does it burn inside him to be a gold medalist? And he, he said, yeah, it, it really did and he thought that that Tokyo in 2020 this was before the the announcement of the postponement, he said he thought that was a really good opportunity, and he said, "But, but who knows?" He said, I, "I could go on and and do another one." And you look at someone like Rebecca Gallantry, who I think went to the Olympics as a diver over the age of thirty. So you know it's not unheard of. Although diving is a young person's sport more or less, and I think the interesting thing that Tom said, the one sort of highlight I would I would say is that he knows his body better now, so he's training smarter. Um, so he's not maybe putting his body through what he did in in the early days, and that might help some longevity but as i said i think there will be some decisions for lots of athletes about another year you look at someone like like Alistair Brownlee for example as well mm. he probably was was thinking that 2020 would be his swan song he's obviously his season um as that the, the world's triathlon season has obviously been curtailed um will he fancy a tilt another year i think you know probably a lot of these athletes will will feel I've I've gone on this far I, I I can give it a go but I think there'll be some some probably unusual results in 2021 I I don't think um it won't have an effect the fact that we've probably had to take 6 months off elite sport I also forgot how tall Tom Daley is <laughs> compared to me
0: <laughs> well I didn't like to point that out <laughs>
1: everyone's tall compared to me it's why i use that photo on social media of me and hannah mills because i think she's the only olympian that, that I, i've got a little an inch or two height on a couple
0: more ideas before we go um lots of jokes doing the rounds about sports personality of the year um yeah w- what on earth what's what on earth's going to go on that i mean you mentioned a couple of um um probably contenders joe wicks uh being one of them he would be my uh, uh, favorite for that. What put? You know, PE every day, nine o'clock, on YouTube. And if you've never done it, I highly I, recommend. I, I have I, I, I would recommend it. I mean, you always say to me, "I need to run a marathon." Uh, I don't need to do twenty six point two miles, but you need to do a Joe Wicks before okay. the uh, before the lockdown is. I'll is do a out.
1: Joe Wicks half an hour if you do a marathon.
0: <laughs> mm. uh, I, I, how, not quite sure. I really wanted to get myself into that one, but in, in all in all seriousness, the New Year's honours would have been full of Olympic and Paralympic medalists getting more accolades at the end of 2020. In a normal year, it would have been full. The New Year's honours would be full of Olympic and and Paralympic medalists. Could we, therefore, make sure that in the Queen's birthday honours, which are coming up, and also... The uh, New Year's honours is filled with NHS, care workers, doctors, nurses, people who've put themselves on the line to fight this disease as we sit and wait the return of sport. I think that puts it into perspective, but actually that's what the honours should be there for.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, you mentioned obviously the London Marathon was going to be taking place this weekend. And I think the organizers of the London Marathon have done a really good thing by asking people that are trained for the marathon to do their, that's what they're calling their 2.6 challenge this weekend as well. So it's to, to utilize some of that training and some of that goodwill. Cause I think people don't realize how much money is raised on the London mm. Marathon day. I think it's the, the single biggest day of charity fundraising anywhere in the world ever. And there will be so many. Ch- charities so many organizations that miss out uh, this year because the london marathon has been delayed by six months and for some charities and organizations that six months could be crucial that six months could be the difference between them existing and helping people and not existing and not being there to help people as well so you know credit to the, the london marathon organizers who have tried to harness a bit of that goodwill uh, to continue to to raise awareness and raise money i have to say sitting in my house as i have done with everyone else for the last four weeks the amount of people out jogging is amazing the amount of people running past my house it could be the london marathon it would not surprise me if on sunday morning i do see someone dressed as a rhinoceros and someone wearing a diving suit come past because it seems that everybody everybody except you out jogging right now training for that potential marathon john
0: uh, i've been doing my joe wicks uh, my half an hour of exercise and um, uh, my heart palpitations are uh, anything to go by then it's well worth it this isn't an anything but footy the olympic and paralympic podcast a lockdown special uh, before we go a reminder of those podcasts that you need to subscribe to a different pod but they are the ones that we've worked on michael
1: Yep, you need to go and find the UK Sport Podcast. It's called Medals and More. It's uh, presented by Dame Catherine Granger. There's a number of episodes on there that we have helped uh, Medals and More, UK Sport and Catherine Ga- Granger produce. Uh, the latest one, as we've said, very interesting listening for Olympic and Paralympic sports fans with Andy Anson, Mike Sharrock and Sally Monday from Team GB, Para GB and UK Sport. So you need to go and subscribe to that one. That is the UK Sport Podcast, Medals and More.
0: And when Michael met Tom, it's not called that, but it's the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park pod. It's all about Tom Daly's relationship with the London 2012 Olympic Park and the aquatic centre where he trains. Well worth uh, looking out for those. All of those are on Apple and Google and Spotify. And this is anything but footy. Stay safe. Stay sane. Stay home. It can literally save lives.